Hi, it's Jasmine. You know, that girl who did you know what way before the internet ever existed. Join me and my special guest every week as we talk about anything and everything because nothing is too taboo. So punch your ticket and get on board the crazy train with me, Jasmine St. Clair. All aboard! Welcome to a new episode of Crazy Train with me, Jasmine St. Clair. I hope you guys are enjoying the ride so far. This week's guest is the most fabulous master of ceremonies, Larry Legend. Some of you know him from wrestling, some of you know him from theater, but to me, he's just fabulous. I think he's made the most impact of any ring announcer we've had on um, XPW so far. So here we go. Thank you so much for joining us today. I love your hat. Your hat is just so memorable. You have style. You really do. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, you know, it's not about having Gucci from head to toe. It's just one little minute uh, accoutrement, if you will, whether it be, you know, the Captain Larry Legend hat or the Apple Watch, the Unity Apple Watch, just one little thing. And and someone that was very stylish taught me that once when I was giving them a ride in Lyft. They said, guys who are like, you know, Prada from head to toe, Balenciaga from head to toe, they look foolish. They're not at a fashion show. They're not walking the runway. So why would you do that? It's gaudy and bourgeoisie. So just one signature kind of, oh, look at that. Look at that is, is what makes me legendary. Well, does cologne count as well, or is it just accessories? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and that's why I always, I, I use scented oils. You usually can find them on the street or in the bodega and in, and in New York City, or even down here in Baltimore, where I'm from, the scented oils, they're imitation, you know, but they always give you a nice hue, a nice glow. Uh, and, and women and men want to be around you just for the way that you smell. Yeah, I get that sometimes a lot, so... I don't necessarily want to be around the men that want to be around me from the sense that I have. So I change up the perfume now and again, and I go back to like Avon to the cheapest thing possible. The, uh, the teen cologne, the Sweden honesty or something like that. I used to sell those oils years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I always pick them up. I just picked up a new one last night. I think it was Gucci number two or something. It's clearly an imitation, but I like the way it smells. It's, it's very masculine and feminine all at once. And I like that. I like that kind of aroma of like the flowers and the musk. Yeah, I like musk. Musk is manly. Now, we have to talk about your origins because you're very different from a lot of the ring announcers or master of ceremonies that we get. How did I, I did look you up? I don't like looking people up too much because not everything is true. But did you study drama and Brazilian studies? Like, why on earth would you take Brazilian studies? Well, um, you know, I, I had to pick courses, you know, when you enroll undergrad at universities, you've got your prime focus. Mine was drama. I was working towards a bachelor's in the fine arts, but I also had these elective courses that were in the humanities or the sciences that were requirements. So I remember um, I picked criminology as one of my courses uh, that I sat in uh, for lectures just to understand why the laws in the United States were the way they were and, and, and sort of redlining and all types of things like that. I took the criminology course and I also put, I also took a, a, a public, uh, wait, 
Now it was American cultures and public values course that talked about kind of why society norms uh, became the way that they did. And in a lot of ways, people don't realize this, but a lot of America was shaped and molded by Europeans and sort of trying to live up to kind of like a, a, a higher sense of art, a higher sense of morals, a higher sense of culture. And a lot of that came from Europe. Um, so I really benefited from that class. And then I took a Brazilian cultures class. Um, why? Uh, you know, just the description of, you know, what the class entailed, talking about, uh, you know, culture, uh, films, uh, music, and sort of the influence of Brazil and, and other parts of South America on the, the entire globe. I just felt like, hey, why not take this class? And it was one of the most beneficial classes I would I attended or took while I was at NYU. And I still call on a lot of those, uh, you know, uh, lessons and just discussions that we had in that class. It's unusual for anyone in wrestling to, uh, to know anything about Brazilian. My mother is Brazilian. So when I saw that, I was excited because I've done carnival before and it's this whole other cultural thing people don't know about. Like people spend six months out of the year um, getting ready for carnival. Those And those people have normal jobs during the day, like a McDonald's, um, Starbucks, um, their teachers. And then they just go and they do carnival. That's like the big night. It's almost 24 hours too, like the whole thing. It's from start to finish, like a 12 hour day. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, who doesn't like a good party? And there's no party that I can, I mean, maybe Mardi Gras, but not even really, you know, but that's uh, that's uh, carnival. And also um, there's a Trin Trinidadian carnival. Yeah as well, that uh, while I actually worked at Starbucks before I was a, a, a master of ceremonies, a coworker of mine uh, was telling me about how excited she was to go to Trinidad for Carnival. And, you know, she came back and she showed me all these pictures of someone that I didn't even recognize. You know, I, I saw this meek, young, dark-skinned uh, girl, Weidana was her name. And she came back and I just saw all of her glory and all of the makeup. And I, I, I marveled at the transformation uh, that she underwent just for this, this festival. And um, it's something that I would love to take a part of one day. I mean, I've already got the captain's hat, so I'm ready to lead a ship, you know? I Who think knows? you'd be good. You'd be good. Like the Brazilian carnival, uh, they don't, not everyone knows samba. I was on the big float and um, the guy that was sort of the, I guess he was on the front of the boat um he had he had this like a uh, an east indian guru outfit on not like oh. a cult leader but really cool outfit and it was so it's remarkable you have to do it like you've got to do it at least once in this lifetime and the parties are insane after oh That's i've heard i've heard also you know when i was a kid there was a show there was a kid's show on well i don't i can't say i was a kid i was probably around 13 right when i was getting out of sort of like cartoons and power ranger you know kind of fandom getting more into wrestling but there was a show that brought was broadcast here in the u.s called uh susha susha and friends and um, I remember that there was this model, um, you know, she was a blonde model and she was very voluptuous. And uh, she like hosted this kid shows with, with these huge, you know, costumed monsters and kids jumping around and competing in games. And I thought to myself, wow, this is uh, Brazilian culture. Well, this seems way far more sexualized um, than anything that I've ever experienced. 
in American culture. So I, I think that maybe also led me to take that Brazilian cultures class to learn a little bit more about that culture. Yeah, that's one of many things they do. Uh, when I worked on, I worked on soap operas there, and the later the the show was on TV, then the um, the less clothes people wore. Mm, yeah. yeah. So imagine like your parents having this conversation with you. Hey, so so and so saw you. Oh no, that wasn't me. That's just a doppelganger. I have no clue who that is. It's like <laughs> right. I don't know anything. So drama, of course, I knew you were involved in drama somehow, because you, when you go into the ring, like people who have not seen Larry the Legend live, when he goes into the ring, it's just really, like Bob Ortiz was great, and he was always dressed to the nines, but um, and uh, charismatic, but Larry Legend is in that category, but it's this other thing, like some, I don't know, there's something else about you that's charismatic. Why did you even get into wrestling, or did it find you? <laughs> Well, I guess it's a, I guess, um, you know, I, I have a really strong uh, Catholic school upbringing. And I remember whenever we would go to mass in Catholic school, the, uh, the priest would kind of like, you know, gather us all around to deliver the sermon. And he didn't always deliver it from the pulpit. He would sometimes walk walk amongst us and get close to us and make real good eye contact with ones of us. And I was really captivated, not necessarily by the stories, but just by the presence of the priests in, in, the, in the Catholic church in particular. And my grandmother used to always say when I was really, really just an infant, a uh, toddler, um, oh, you're going to grow up to be a preacher. You know, she would always say, you're going to grow up to be a preacher. And I didn't even know what that meant. I didn't know what that meant, but what I've learned over my journey in pro wrestling is that the ring is very much a sacred, sacred kind of hollowed ground. It's why a lot of the times you see people wipe their feet before they get into the ring, because if you respect the ring, then the ring will respect you back. And a lot of that kind of heightened, uh, you, you know, reverence, reverence for this, this, you know, ritual that we participate in, you know, and we're members of in a ring, it overtakes me. It overtakes me that I am like that priest, that I am what my grandmother foretold that I was going to be one day, and that's a preacher. And even though I'm not, you know, giving a sermon from the Bible, the same type of qualities that the priest captivated me and had me watching and kind of like really into mass. I wasn't really into mass. I was more into getting out of class, but I really would listen to Father Bob and Father Mike and all of them, you know, you know, tell these, you know, allegories and stories. And, and that's really what, what, what wrestling is, you know, it's just a lot more of the, the, I don't want to call it dance, but a lot more of the, you know, the, the combat part of it. But you need a good narrator. You need a good. You need a good priest, a good preacher, and and that's why I approach it with the reverence that I do. And it, I think the fans feel it. They feel it off of me uh, when I get in there and I'm I'm looking at them and I'm just you know it's absorbing it and letting them know I'm having a good time. Now it's time for you to have a good time. Uh, I mean, it, you do have that. You do bring that to the table. And I've never seen any of our ring announcers ever do that for XPW. And you mentioned a very important thing, eye contact. You know, oh, yeah. in wrestling, you use it to, to, to convey whatever messages you have to do to the other person, whether you're throwing them over a rope or something or barbed wire. 
And it's just the same thing in improv. You've just got to keep the eye contact going so you know what your scene partner is doing. Did you take improv before? Well, yeah, improv is <laughs> definitely something that I, I, I would say, I, I mean, I've taken acting classes and been involved in community theater for, for years. Like uh, my grandmother passed away. Well, I didn't even realize we were going to go here, but my grandmother passed away uh, when I was around 12. And I was just grief struck in and directionless. And my mom got me involved in community theater, uh, the oldest African-American community theater in all of the country is right here in Baltimore. And they have a youth theater program. Yeah, they have a youth theater program. They're called the Arena Players. And uh, my mom, you know, knew that I was going to be missing my grandma, who in a lot of ways was kind of like my mom. You know, my mom was working a lot and my grandma was the one to get me up for school, to get receive me from school. Um, so when she passed away, my mom enrolled me in uh, the Arena Players Youth Theater Program. And that's where I really started to get into the whole, like, oh, we can kind of play. And also we can work towards like putting on a production, you know? And a lot of the training for acting is just doing those improvisations and learning how it feels to react to something and be sad, how it feels in your body when you're happy and you react and how to convey that honestly when you're like reading, you know, reading or memorizing lines and doing a scene from a play. So yeah, I um, I just fell in love with it. And somewhere along the line, I started to notice that a lot of the qualities in pro wrestling that I really, really, really was attracted to were a lot of the same qualities that actors kind of, the best actors did. The best actors acted honestly and the best wrestlers performed honestly and that is that's a craft you know that's a craft and not everyone can master it so somewhere along the line I was like you know I really love this acting thing I'm really into Shakespeare and all other musical theater and all of that stuff but the acting and wrestling when done right there's nothing that can touch it there's nothing that can touch the the group uh, kind of church-like, you know, gathering and the, the the feeling that permeates everyone when the wrestlers are doing it right. So I just kind of spun my love of acting into a targeted type of performance, you know, because I can't, I, I don't want to say they're actors because I know that's not, that's kind of, you know, depending on who you're talking to, someone old school, they don't like that. But the type of performance that comes from wrestling, I just kind of snowballed into it. It's interesting because, okay, so first and foremost, when I started taking improv at UCB, I learned all about Del Close. Now, Del Close, for those of you who are listening, is the, um, he's the godfather of improv. Then this is where we base our foundation. So he was in contact with a cult years ago and while mm -hmm. he was alive. Then when I went to Second City, I went through the conservatory and I'm like, you know, this is a cult because you're doing these games. They do those, they do those in uh, cults. They do games. They do like-minded things. So I'd say wrestling is like a cult. You're you're in the biggest cult right now in XPW, which is like later. We'll get to that, but it's a it's a whole other thing, you know. Um, but yeah, wrestling. I would say it's acting. But don't you find some wrestlers when they do their um, their promos, sometimes they they tend to overact. Okay, when you do your promo, you have to be way at the top. Got it. But when they bring that into a regular acting job, do you find that it's easy for most wrestlers to perhaps overact if they're going out to read for something because of their characters and all that? Absolutely. Well, I mean, there's I, 
it's all acting, but you know, there there's all types of audiences and those all types of styles that are catered to the audience. So I would say that pro wrestling acting is very similar to children's theater um, and, and horror movie acting, where it's kind of like any adult observing it is going to be in on the fact that, okay, this guy, you know, is doing this to elicit the, the laugh from the children or the, you know, the delight from the kids. We get what he's doing and he's doing it so well because look at how it's working. Um, or for horror movie, it's kind of like tongue in cheek, like, well, why would they run up the stairs when that's where they heard the, you know, so, you know, you can do that, honestly, just as much as you can like read your Shakespeare, honestly, and, and really have the type of audience that would want to go see Richard III captivated by, by the style of acting. So I do find that a lot of wrestlers, when you do see them flex their acting chops, well, mostly I see most of them rely on the character that we know them from as wrestling. You know, I don't think I've ever seen Stone Cold Steve Austin, who's done quite a few films. I don't think I've ever seen him be anyone other than Stone Cold that we all used to love from pro wrestling. Uh, but, you know, the you know, in the in the roles that he's been in, you know, with all due respect. Uh, but a lot of the times I find that pro wrestlers bring that very presentational, larger than life acting style. But that's not always the project. Um, and that is one of the reasons that's, you know, you get the Miz in the Marine or Randy Orton and, you know, w w whatever. Um, so, yeah, I think that they do overact a little bit, but I think it's a stylized acting and I don't think that I diminish it anymore. It's just that you've got to know your audience and how to when, when to perform that style and who it's best targeted for. That's a very, you're very intelligent. I mean, I knew you were smart, but this is very... Um... It's very eye-opening. It really is. You learn something new from other actors as well as you go on in life. Oh, how yeah. did you get into wrestling, especially CZW of all places? Like how, yeah, did you even train to wrestle at all or did you just going to hang out? So, so um, I, was, I, was, I was undergrad at NYU. I completed my second year and then I didn't have enough much, I didn't have enough money to go back. I was already very far in debt. Uh, my mom and family were trying to help me as much as they could get through it. But after my second year, you know, I kind of resolved that, hey, if I'm at an audition, you know, and Denzel Washington is who I'm up against, it doesn't matter that I went to NYU and the Stella Adler Conservatory of Acting, because they're probably going to go with, you know, Denzel. And I, I said, you know what, let me, let me, let me just take a step back from New York City and the whole college life. And I, I dropped out. I dropped out after my second year. Um, but I wanted to do something that was like involved in, in performance. I wanted to not get rusty or not have that thing inside of me that had been filled for two years of performing uh, with you know great actors who have gone on to do really good things. Actually, a lot of them that I was in that I was in class with. Um, um, I needed to do something, and I'll never forget. One night I was watching Raw after having dropped out of NYU and being really depressed that I wasn't back in New York continuing my studies. I was watching Raw and an ad, an advertisement ran during Raw. And there was a voice that was saying, have you ever wanted to step out of the crowd and get into the ring? 
MCW Bone Breakers Pro Wrestling Training Academy will teach you how to be some of the stars of the future. And they started going down the different people who had come through the Bone Breakers Pro Wrestling Training Academy in Maryland, where I'm from. When I dropped out of NYU, I moved back to Maryland, Baltimore. And it was, you know, Lita, Orlando Jordan, Joey Mercury, different names like that. And I was like, wow, not only is this a, a, a reputable sounding place, but they're running an ad during Raw. And we're talking like, you know, 2001, you know, 2001 Raw. Like this is a, a lot of people are watching wrestling right now. And somehow there's a local ad running for a pro wrestling school. How? How is this even going on? How, did the, how does this work? Do these guys work with WWE? Like did WWE give them the thumbs up? Like, yeah, you can run that ad. I just had to find out how. Um, and I called the number and I spoke to the owners, uh, the, the two, Mark the Shark Trader and Corporal Punishment, Dan McDevitt. Um, they said to me that if I was serious, come on down. They'll give me a tour of the place and maybe we can talk about how I could be a part of it. Uh, because really what I wanted to know was how you guys got that ad on TV. I, I lie to you not. I was like, wait a minute. I'm seeing ads for like, you know, Sony, movies, all types of big budget things. And in the middle of that, there's a little ad for a pro wrestling training academy in Maryland. And coincidentally, that ad was voiced, I found out, by Axel Rotten. The late Axel Rotten was the one who was doing the voiceover for that ad, um, just to throw his name out there, because I eventually got on to meet him. But MCW, Maryland Championship Wrestling, is what introduced me to the world of pro wrestling, and um, I really started as kind of like a gopher, um, you know, just go running and getting tobacco for Romeo Valentino or getting, a, you know, something for Adam Flash or, you know, sweeping up the school, getting coffee and pizza, just things like that. And um, I would also I would also help with the merch at the shows. I was kind of the designated, let's count all these shirts, make sure that none are walking out of the school when, you know, Dan or Mark are not around, you know, sell the waters, get all that. So I was given an education into how this company was able to run a, 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 an ad on Raw. Like, and it was through the school. That's where they generated their revenue. And they used the students' tuition to kind of float these shows. And, you know, the graduation was really, eventually, the kids who paid their tuition would get on the show. So I really kind of got broken in through MCW, but it wasn't until I met Ruckus, the Jake the Snake of Getting Baked, my mentor, my personal mentor, Ruckus, that I found out that there were, like, other indies. I, I knew of MCW, that was my home fed, but of course, you know, I was pretty naive about how things worked. So I was learning as I went along, but Ruckus is the one who put me on to CZW and the Ring of Honors and this whole sort of community of other, you know, independent wrestling organizations that had come after ECW, because that's the time that we're talking. We're talking 2001, 2002, 2003 is what was really when we're talking that I got introduced into pro wrestling and got involved. And Ruckus, I announced him one time in Maryland and he was like, man, I got to take you with me to CZW. And I was like, great. But I was thinking in the back of my mind, what the hell is CZW? Um, you know, um, but, <laughs> I, I had no clue. I was just like, okay, yeah, this guy, well, uh, Ruckus is awesome, by the way. So the, this was my first time seeing him wrestle. 
Um, I had seen him on the backyard wrestling game. I'd seen images of him, but this is my first time meeting him and seeing him wrestle. And I was like, wow, this guy's like a mega superstar um, on this level. And he wants to, he wants to take me somewhere. Um, so we, we, we sort of went back and forth uh, through, I don't even remember. Wow. I don't even remember if we were calling or texting or whatever. And he just kept trying to say, he just kept saying, just come down. Don't worry about it. Just come down, bring your suit. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to introduce you to John. Had no clue who John was. Just, just listening to Ruckus. He's like, I'm going to introduce you to John. And when, when he sees you, I guarantee you, he's, he's going to love you. He's going to, I don't worry about it. And this is what Ruckus keeps telling me. And I'm like, okay, man, whatever. And finally one show, I think it was, the show was um, Last Team Standing. Um, and this was the Human Tornadoes debut for CZW as well. It would turn out. I didn't know this at the time, but when I got there and finally Ruckus arrived, he arrived with Human Tornado. And Human Tornado was in town from the West Coast, and I met him, and we both were kind of like, yeah, man, we're we're here to do our thing. Like, I don't know what we're really going to do, but we're here to do our thing. And I'm like, well, I'm with Ruckus, so I think I'm going to you know, be announcing him. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm in the tag team thing. And we both killed it. Our first times in CZW, we both killed it. But that is really how I got introduced. And I started out in CZW as the personal ring announcer for Blackout, for Ruckus' stable featuring Joker and Eddie Kingston, uh, Chrissy Rivera, Robbie Marino, and, and Sabian, um, now you know the Black Gs. Um, we were a group. A stable uh, that was all about smoking weed and hip hop culture, and and Ruckus bought me in, kind of as a nod to to Gertner, you know, kind of a nod to him, like you know, this is my group, this is the guy who announces us because he's way better than your announcer here at CZW, and he's the one that can do it right. So that that's how I got I got in there, and and yeah, um, and Ruckus had a very particular intro that was a whole bunch of like rhymes about pot and smoking it, and it ended with, and the Bruce Lee of, and usually announcers, he said to me, announcers can't nail it, but he was like, you nail it every time, and that's why I got to bring you there with me, because I don't want anyone else to announce me but you. Why the hell didn't he bring you to 3PW then? Like, what was, was he stashing you in a fucking, like, what was, why why didn't he bring you to us? That pisses me off. I have to have a talk with him about this one day. Well, I'll tell you this much, Jasmine. Uh, the first, the first three times that I went, uh, they, I, there was no pay window. There was no pay window at the end of the night. Okay, so okay, okay. It, uh, so, so you know, um, I'm, I, I definitely trusted Ruckus. I definitely felt safe around him. But the logistics of like, you know, hey, be here, do this, you know. Right. Thanks. Um, there was a little bit of something that needed to kind of be ironed out, and ah, not okay. to not to sort of shade him at all. But that was yeah, never just yeah. with Ruckus and I at the very beginning when I was the personal rig announcer. Ah, okay. So you know, I I I kind of was like, when I'm available, I'd love to help out. That that was my real origin with CZW is when I'm available, I'd love to help out. I, I believe I did it three times as just the personal ring announcer for them. And then I was like, you know, I, I can't, I can't afford this. I can't afford to be making this trip. And, you know, hindsight being 2020, Maven Bentley said, well, why didn't you just say anything? And I'm like, Maven, 
back then, CZW was scary as shit. I didn't want to say anything to anyone. I was, I was just happy to be there. There were huge crowds. It was so violent and bloody. And I, I kind of was just like, okay, I got out of here alive, you know? Um, you know, so I, 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 I never wanted to bring that up to anyone. And I never brought it up to Ruckus. But, you know, the first three times I was just in CZW with him. And then I left for a while. And then CZW's announcer quit. He uh, went to take a job for WWE in the magazine and Sandig remembered me and was like, hey, why don't we get that guy who was with Claude? You know, I liked him. I liked the, I liked the way he did it. You know, so that's how I got processed into being the full-time CZW announcer was kind of making a couple appearances here and there with Ruckus, um, which I've learned was really kind of like your tryout, you know? Does he show up? How does he look? How does he sound? Is he like, you know, you know, I learned, I learned, I didn't know at the time I was very naive, but I learned that's kind of like how you get processed into anything. Like, is he going to work out? And I did. And then I became the CZW guy. That's so crazy. I can't believe you just said it was scary. Those are a bunch of little boys with glass tubes and tables and blood and blades. They don't, you could eat well, them out for lunch and spit them out and have them for dinner, please. <laughs> Necro, Necro was scary to me. Uh, Danny, scared, I, you were scared of Necro? At the time? At the time? I mean, I didn't, you know, I know, I know, you know, decorum, introduce yourself to everyone. Hello, I'm, you know, this person. But I was really kind of with Ruckus. And as Ruckus like went around everyone, he was like, my man Larry, you know? And like, he was introducing me to everyone. But some of the guys were like a little kind of like, got brain damage, okay? I, and again, another one that I got to know and found out was a huge softy, softy, rest in peace to Marvin Lambert, brain damage um, is no longer with us, but he was a very intimidating, imposing looking individual when I first got to CZW. And I didn't know any of these people. Only one I knew was Ruckus and the referee, B. Edwards, who was Derek, Derek Moore from WWF. I, I knew him. And um, so I was kind of scared, like, I don't know who these guys are. They are crazy. They're bleeding into each other. And and I, in that 2300 arena, there was an upstairs balcony and there was a shower. There was a shower up there. And um, Jasmine, I'm not going to lie to you. I announced ruckus. I didn't have anything else to do. And I went up to the kind of loft area and just sat. And Danny Havoc and Necro did a death match. And then they came up to like that balcony area and they were all bloody. And then I just saw them go into like a steamy room. And I lie to you not, there was like a red curtain. Like there was like, I don't know if it was a shower curtain or just like a curtain to cordon off that. I never went in that area, but I saw it. And I just remember seeing these two bloody men go into this room and there was steam and there was a red curtain. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck I've got myself into. I don't know what, what they're doing back there now. I know what they just did out there, but now there's like steam and like, I, I really, there was parts of it that were kind of terrifying to me. Um, having only known MCW, WWF, WCW, and some ECW, you know, some ECW, but this was like, I, I didn't even realize I was in the ECW arena. I, the first the first couple times I was there, I didn't even realize where I was. So that's kind of how, you know, ignorant I was to things. Um, but I learned and I just was like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if this is the right thing. Who knows what's gonna happen at one of these things? What's going on in that room back there? Why is there smoke? And 
Yeah, I'm concerned about that right there. The whole thing with the steam room. I'm I'm very concerned that he's there with another man. And I um, yeah, I think I'm going to speak to, uh, when he comes back from Japan. I think I'll have a talk with him about that and ask him why were you in a steam room with another man? Well, well you, which is you, fine, huh? Well, you know that building better than I. Were there multiple showers in there, or was it? Just I've one? never been in that shower room. I I've never taken a shower there, and I um I would never go in there um because. I'm sure the different stalls, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just can't see Necro Butcher in a steam room with another man for some reason. Um, well, they walked in there. They walked in there one after the other and I was a little <laughs> out at the sight of them going in there. And I was thinking to myself, what are they doing? I, and I think I asked Claude maybe when we were, what, before I left, I was like, yo, what's up? What's up in that room? And he's like, oh, that's, that's a shower. It was just clean, you know, getting cleaned up, you know? Oh, yeah, that's they, probably it. Yeah, 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 well. <laughs> but, I'm going to break his balls. I have to now. Now I have to break his balls over this. I won't say it came from, he wouldn't care. It's necro. Yeah, um, I, I saw what I saw. And like I said, I have no reason to lie. I, I, it was a scary time the first one or two times I was there. Yeah, well, G uh, CCW is a really interesting place. They ran shows there after us. They ran shows when I had 3PW. Then I quit 3PW and I just moved on to other things. But um, so CCW seemed like a long, a very long gig for you. Then you went somewhere else after. Where did you go after that before ending up at, uh, was it GCW you were just at, yeah? Yeah, so That's I guess. That's so crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, GCW. Well, GCW, my last GCW show was in 2019, but I guess. I guess from CZW, I went. I I I went to ROH. Right. I was at Ring of Honor. Um, and and my time in Ring of Honor is all the Sinclair when Ring of Honor was purchased from Carrie and all of those guys. Yeah. Sinclair Broadcast Group. So, I didn't get to be there for the good days, the CM Punk days, and the Chris Hero and all the. I always get there late to the party. Uh, is the narrative of my career. And not to say that the time that I was there was bad, but obviously Ring of Honor was kind of on the, the decline um, and they were subsequently sold. But uh, again, but um, yeah, I was there for the entire Sinclair Broadcast Group uh, purchase acquisition. And I was um, a backstage correspondent. Um, but also they leveraged my experience with merch they leveraged my experience with merch all the way back from my early days in MCW. And I was the merchandise coordinator. I took over for Shane Hagedorn and Ross, who got caught uh, doing some stuff, you know. Not here for that, but they, they were showing the door. Yeah, and um, I, became the, I became the merch guy. So um, in addition to doing the merch, uh, Delirious Hunter knew that I was, pretty, I was a pretty good announcer and, and really good stick guy so he would kind of split my time um when i was doing merch with also doing like backstage interviews bumpers for when we were coming to turner hall ballroom and you know minnesota and stuff like that and and um i did that for about three years before uh they laid me off they essentially uh they 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 eliminated my position when i got called into the office the exact term that they used was after analyzing the fiscals for the past year, we have come to the decision to eliminate your position. And my only question was, well, why me? And they all they did was repeat the exact same thing, the exact verbatim. They just said, we've reassessed the fiscals over the past year and we've decided to eliminate your position. So that was it. I was there for three years. And then it was weird because after I 
left, after I was no longer on the payroll, they started like having me still come and do like live events hosting. Like I would still like, kind of as the people were coming into the arenas, I would be like, all right, guys, we got the Young Bucks downstairs signing autographs. Kenny Omega's down by ringside. You know, I would just be like, kind of like, being a game show host for the live events and, you know, doing trivia with the fans, you know, we blast that on the Facebook or whatnot or, or whatever social media and just kind of doing that. And they did, they, they had me do that for about a year after I had been let go. And then uh, I would be calling about like Atlanta travel, Pittsburgh travel. And it would just be like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're going to get that to you. Like uh, we got to, we're, we're getting someone that's going to be like kind of your assistant. Um, it was just like the whole like, and I got tired of calling and I was like, you know, I don't think they, I don't think you really have a path for me anymore. You know, maybe I got that extra year to soften the blow of me being, you know, released or my position being eliminated. Maybe the guy who did that was like, oh, I got a little bit more of the budget. Let's, you know, keep Larry around here and there. But then the calls just stopped. And then within two years, Ring of Honor was not even the same thing. So, but yeah, I did Ring of Honor. Um, and while I was doing Ring of Honor, I was helping Danny DeMonto with a project, Jersey Championship Wrestling, which eventually became Game Changer Wrestling. And, and I was their original MC when they were when they were not anything. <laughs> I mean, they always were something, but when they certainly when they were not the 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 massive indie, you know, machine that they are today. But I, I was the original guy helping Danny DeMonto and Brett Lauderdale. Um turn JCW into Game Changer Wrestling. And uh, yeah, I was with GCW and, and and also during that time doing a lot of ICW. Before ICW was the chains, it was a, you know, an Elks Lodge, Queensboro's Elks Lodge or right next door to it. I never got in the real Elks Lodge. I got to the one right next door to it. Um, <laughs> it that was where ICW before it was the chains. That's where they ran. So I was I was doing a lot. I was doing as much as I possibly could. From MCW to CZW to ROH to ICW before the change, the GCW, a little MYWC out there on Long Island with Mikey. I did his shows. And um, yeah, I was doing any, I was doing any and everything that I could. Uh, but my main, you're right, my main milestones are CZW onto ROH and then GCW. So yeah. That's interesting with ROH. I was wondering, maybe they spoke to a lawyer because that's the first thing I would have done was go to a lawyer. If someone just lets you go like that when you've been there for so long. So they probably spoke to a lawyer. That's, I don't know. That, that's just me. I deal with lawyers I think, all the time. I think, um, so, I, so I was the merch guy by myself for okay. uh, six months. And then uh, a corporate employee from the office came to be my partner. Okay. And it's in hindsight being 2020, Jeff Jones, the judge, um, told me, he was like, hey, now that you have that partner, you've really got to be on your A game because this is a guy that was already being paid by the, co the, the corporate, the people in corporate, and they have kind of shifted him over to your department. That means that if somebody's head's going to roll, it's probably going to be yours. And I remember yeah. Jeff said that I was like, ah, you're just trying to get me, you're trying to get me worked up, you know? And he's like, no, no, I know the way things work. You were here by yourself. You're making this money. You're getting a steady check. Now you have a partner. That partner is really someone you should be on the lookout for. And, you know, when they eliminated my position, I said, why me? And the reason I said, why me? Is because they didn't eliminate 
the other guy's position who came after me. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I could have told you they were shady back then. And uh, yeah. Yeah, point was correct. he was correct. And uh, it's interesting because then you have now you're at XPW wrestling and you went to CCW, which is kind of like training grounds for the blood and all the gore and everything. What did you even think about Rob? Because I, I never watched Dark Side of the Ring um, until the very the very first New Jersey show, and someone had uh, made me watch it with him. He didn't make me, but he just hey, let's well, let's just watch a ring of let's watch this a ring of this a dark side of the ring. Did you ever see it before? No, I didn't see it before. Well, you got to watch it, dude, especially the episode with Rob. I'm like, okay, so I'm watching this, and then obviously I'm working for Rob the next day, and it's just it's so weird because I remember Rob from back then versus now, and it's so different. But um, was it scary at first when you were coming to work for him? Because GCW is so, they're so woke and we're so anti-woke, if you know what I mean. And, Absolutely. Uh, I, and I'm happier. They were all happier there. And uh, like, what was your initial reaction to this? And did anyone react negatively at first when you were coming over for us? Well, my, my, my reaction about Rob was that um, he was like, um, you know, wrestling kind of, in a lot of ways to me, has always been very adjacent to like the mob, um, um, you know, in sort of kind of like, you know, you've got your your capos, you know, that like are bosses um, that have a pretty steady bankroll and can make things happen. And the only reputation that I had known about Rob Black before XPW came back was Messiah being attacked and... Um, you know, the thumb. And I had only met Messiah one time when he came to the C a CZW show. And I remember everyone, it was shortly after that. And everyone kept like going up to him and asking to see his thumb, you know, gone. Um, and, you know, Rob to me is in the vein of Zandig, uh, Paul Heyman, um, uh, you know, the, the bosses, not not the wrestlers who never made it and, you know, kind of like are running their own show or or the referees who kind of like, you know, whatever. However, their ways of getting to being the promoter, um, whatever, notwithstanding, there were other guys that were kind of like, I guess I should say I thought Rob was connected. I, I just felt like that the, the, the these guys that were all the way up at the top, Zandig, Pauly, Gabe, to some extent, from Ring of Honor, they Gabe's kind of a nerd. No, with all due respect, but like the other guys seem like that. They, these guys were like up to you know, kind of maybe I don't want to know their past and what they were up to. Um, and I got a lot of backlash. Um, um, in particular from Reddit. Um, I will say that everyone oh, on Reddit. Who the hell Reddit? Who goes on Reddit for crying out loud? And who Reddit? Well, I, 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 I blast out announcements on everything. I don't care. Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Reddit, you know, Google plus, whatever it is, I blast out my announcements and I blasted out the Larry legend. Here comes revenge uh, graphic. I thought it was fantastic. It was one of the best graphics of me and, and really kind of one that got a lot of traction. So I sent that out on Reddit and they were just so mean to me. They were saying, well, you know, we know what you stand for now to be around a bunch of homophobes and 
uh, racist, and uh, they basically were saying, like, you know, I'll do anything for money. That, that, that Essentially, they were saying, like, oh, so we see what you're about, money, because now you're working for, you know, I can't even, some of it got deleted. Some of it, Reddit itself was like, okay, that's too harsh, but they were just like, coming at me like, well, so long, Larry, I'll never listen to another thing you ever say. And I, I was like, okay. Like, um, there are other promoters that I've worked for that have pretty sorted, you know, pass. And there are other wrestlers that I've worked alongside that have not the best reputation. So I don't get where all this hate is coming from, but Reddit is, is a very particular social media type. And a lot of them love the anonymity of reddit you can't see them it's just a little it's a little little thing with some some you know antennas and a shirt and you never know who that is and they they're just pussies hide. they're fucking pussies they're not going to come out to our faces they won't say it to us but they're yeah. pussies hiding behind the keyboard it could be someone that you know it could be yeah. someone that you even work with now you worked with before you could be your next door neighbor it could be your dog sitter it's yeah. anyone on reddit and this is the problem people have a this is the issue that you're comfortable saying stuff behind the screen, because if it's in person, you'll get smacked to your face and spat on. It's funny you say that it could be someone that, you know, when I was just when I was just in L.A. Um, two weeks ago with you, um, mm -hmm. you know, we were together at one point. Uh, I remember a fan came up to me and he was just like, yeah, man, I saw that stuff that uh, you know people were saying on Reddit. Fuck those guys. And I thought to myself, wow, no one else has brought that up. To be ever i'll bet you that that was one of those fans that was one of those people and they just wanted to like you know be like i'm really on your side let me pat you on the back right to your face when they were probably one of the most the nastiest comments on that that post i'll bet you it was oh, hang, on. hang on was he wearing a steampunk hat with glitter with i don't i I don't think so. I don't think he was okay, very Okay, never asleep. mind. Because that guy was saying something similar to me and he was wearing a shirt that Teddy Hart made for him. So I'm like, could it be the same guy? Because it's the same rhetoric he used. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, when, when he said this to me, he was a normal, and there was so much going on. It was kind of like one of those, like, where I'm trying to maneuver through a bunch of people, you know, take pictures and do all that. <laughs> really get to my car, really get yeah. to my car, get to the back. And, and he just comes up to me and he's like, oh, Larry, I saw that stuff on Reddit, man. Fuck those guys. And I was like, oh, yeah, well, you know, Reddit, they're the worst of the worst. And, you know, just kept it moving. But I'm like, huh, no one else ever said anything to me about that. Everyone's really just been saying, like, they support me or whatever. And this guy's calling attention to kind of some very negative, you know, inflammatory things surrounding my decision. Um, so I got a lot of I got a lot of backlash and sort of like, what are you doing from the Reddit people? And then, of course, I got a lot of kind of heat, if you will, from my my former ICW No Holds Barred, because, of course, that graphic came out uh, at the very beginning of one of their shows in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So. <laughs> Uh, a lot of them felt it was a, a malicious, intentional thing that was done. And, you know, you, you reap what you sow. Um, I wouldn't, I, I had no plan. I had no plan to join XPW. I did not. But I'm a genuine person and I made friends with another genuine person, Ron Nini. And when I Ron, Ron. Oh, I love him. One of the most lovable people ever. Yes. And and when he kind of got wind of the fact that I was not at an ICW show, 
after not being at the UK show, which I was advertised to be at, once he kind of got wind of that, he is the one who got the, he started churning like, hey, you need to talk to Rob. I'm going to get Rob to talk to you. You're not there. And I know why you're not there. Let's make this a positive because, and I think he really was knowing how, how depressed I, I cause I, you know, Danny, Danny said, uh, Larry's dealing with some mental problems some some health issues. And he, I mean, he wasn't entirely telling a lie, but a lot of those came from his actions. And I did It's not his place. It's not his place either. And I'm sorry, you know, it's not his place to do that. It's up to you to do that. Because it's exactly. right. Exactly. Yeah. But he had to cover his own ass because I had been there from the first no holds barred all the way through the UK. Um, and now they were in Chattanooga and there was no me. So, you know, he went out there and postured and you know, da-da-da-da. But the whole while that he was doing that performative shit. Ron was hitting me up. Schlack was hitting me up. And then after I heard from Ron and Schlack, I heard from Rob Black. And within 24 hours, it all happened. And it was one of the biggest morale boosters for me at the time. Um, Because overall, I think that it was a very intentional thing that was done. I feel like that Having been involved in wrestling for 20 years, there have been other times where people have kind of like said, oh, I'm going to knock this guy down a couple pegs. You know, I'm going to I'm going to pull the rug out from under him while, you know, he's riding high just to make sure he knows his role. And despite the miscommunication of why I did not end up in the UK, there was a way that that could have been handled. There was a way that that could have been handled. And it wasn't it wasn't handled uh, respectfully, so it really came down to: Do you want to continue being disrespected, like I was? This is Ron speaking, or do you want to go to a place that is going to embrace you for all of the qualities that you bring to the table, and you are fucking awesome, and they are going to embrace you. Schlack knows you, I know you, Masana knows you, Rob is going to get to know you, and they're going to love you, and you're going to be respected. And at 41 years old, who could, I mean, I don't, I shouldn't settle for anything less. No, I sh- no, you shouldn't. And, you know, Danny Demento has to, Demento, Demento, whatever his name is, um, he has to cover his ass. That's a lot of ass to cover. So, I mean. Okay. Yeah. It's like it's too true. much yeah. ass yeah. to cover. They don't make outfits that big for like drag queens, for fuck's sakes. Um, I know drag queens, I go to drag shows all the time. Um, yeah. A drag queen actually made my wig that I wear for my one woman show. So I go to her stuff all the time. I mean, I've never seen drag queens with asses as big as his. So go figure that. Even RuPaul, for fuck's sake. Seriously. Oh, yeah. And and I'll tell you this much for, I mean, not to read, not to read, but he had the, he had the, he had the gastric bypass. He had that and he's, he's, he's ballooned back up. He's ballooned back up now to like just a few shades under where he was and you know every, that's another thing that I'm so I haven't revealed this to anyone but I'm so yeah. glad to get away from like the eating on the road of icy oh, yeah. because it was always McDonald's and it was always like I had no say in what we ate it was always like greasy fast food shit and I'm like yo this is not this is gonna kill me this is gonna kill us you know I'm not 
you know, um, and I, I don't miss that one bit, but it's showing. It's showing on him. Okay. A gastric bypass. The only person I know that's had two gastric bypasses is my boy. Uh, it's my boyfriend's wife. And she's had, that bitch has had almost all, she's had two gastric bypasses and uh, liposuction twice and she still needs to go back and get it so what does that tell you did i just say my boyfriend's wife yeah whatever so what does that tell you about these um these people you, you're gonna have mcdonald's you go watch supersize me supersize yeah. me is it just shows you what's in that with xpw we don't really eat the worst but we don't eat the best but we we take care of ourselves and rob of all people is open-minded and just for the record i know people are listening to this um no, we're not transphobe. We are not um, white supremacist, even though I got called a white European bitch on someone's comment and it looked like it could have been someone that works there, which is fine. I don't care. And um, we got all this stuff. And it's like, you know, at the end of the day, this is sports entertainment. We don't discuss politics in the locker room and we don't talk anything but what's going on in front of us. So anyone that says anything different is wrong. A hundred percent, a hundred percent, yeah, and I don't know, um, I don't know, I mean, I know Drake's political views, but yeah. that doesn't, I don't care about that when I'm doing the wrestling, like, that's not the, that's the furthest thing from my mind when I'm announcing him versus Arrow Boy. Um, same with Masada, oh, I know, yes. I know his allegations, but I, when I'm announcing him, again, when we go all the way back to that sacred, that sacred squared circle, that zone, but again, I don't, care about that right then and there um and and this is not to be disrespectful to anyone but like honestly masada and i aren't like texting like in between shows where we see each yeah. other we come together we do our thing you know we'll, we'll, we'll smoke a cig you know drink a couple brews and then it's like i'll see you at the next one brother you know so i'm not trying to say i don't care about that shit but i really don't like that's not he's not my I, I hate to say he's not my friend, but it is a professional relationship where we yeah. are very friendly with one another. But he's not, I'm not choosing, choosing well, like, you know, to, yeah. you, you understand what I'm trying to say? I'm, I I, I'm, kind of, I'm trying to, I'm trying to not be as respectful as possible, you know, about things, but you know, people want to be like, oh, there are pictures of Schlack when he was like 14 giving a Nazi salute. <laughs> um, hey. I, I didn't know Schlack when he was 14. Um, Schlack didn't know me when I was 14. And I don't dwell on 14-year-old Larry as much as I don't dwell on 14-year-old Schlack. So who gives a shit? That's <laughs> so stupid. They dig, in, no, they dig into everything. And that's the problem. Just even in, nowadays, you know, I've lost friends due to politics. But <clears throat> the thing is what it all boils down to at the end of the day is, is a, three, a few things. Number one, how you treat people at the end of the day is what counts, not who you go to the poll to vote for, what, what program you watch on the news. And the other thing is people fail to understand that, um, you know, there's always, there are two sides to the story. So with Teddy Hart, I came out on his side because I know him and um, I, I've been around a lot of people that are opportunists that jump on a bandwagon. Oh, you too, me too. You too, me too. There's always someone out there that wants your job. There's always someone that wants your spot and will do anything to um, to come for you, whether it's you or prime example, duh, ROH, and other things. So at the end of the day, no one is above, um, you know, 
having someone come after them with false allegations. Like I, I speak to Masada quite a bit and I know what he was going through and it's a we're, we're in a very fucked up business and you get that. It's a circus. Yes. And then you're, also, you're in the midst of this craziness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also a lot of the times, whenever there's like, and I'm not trying to, I hope I don't come off sounding misogynist or sexist, but a lot of the times when yeah. there's these things, like the guy automatically gets like, oh, he did it. Like, it's like, there's no yeah. trial. Yeah. There's no like, I want to hear his side of the story. It's like, oh, he's a scumbag. He did it. And I'm like, no, hey, you know, you never, I mean, this woman was married to Lance Cade. You know, I, yeah. I when I, 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 I don't know if I'm, I, I just, from the, from just knowing Brig and knowing, yep. you know what I mean? I'm like, uh -huh. I know this guy and he's a good guy. I don't know you. And the last person you were involved with. Yep. No, I know the whole story. And I always, you know, so I'm say like, I'm more, more, yeah, I take the guy's side 90% of the time because I know how women are. And fuck, if Weinstein was around, I would have blown him. I don't give a fuck. It would have been a chance if I could find his dick, that is. But, um, I, you know, I, I, I said the same thing. You know, uh, Matt Stryker once asked me. Matt he was Stryker? Like, yeah, Matt, oh yeah Matt Stryker once asked me. Um, if I would go down on Triple H for a job. And I told him, oh no, I'm going for the top Vince yeah. or someone in the McMahon's family, like proper, the true bloodline, yeah. before I go stuck Triple H's dead. I told him that straight face. I'm like, I'm going to the top. If I'm if I'm degrading myself to get where I need to be, I'm going for the boss, the big, big, big boss, not the not the little guys underneath, you know. And this was like 2011, I think that he asked me this question. This was 2011 because Stryker was still working for WWE at the time, and I told him at a table full of guys, I was like, oh, nah, not not him. No, if it was Vince, we might be talking. Yeah, these people don't understand. You have to go aim high, like you go for CEOs, you go for executives that have the money and more to lose, and then you know, then you have your blackmail. And yes. want to do that, you know, and it's yeah. just, it's ridiculous. You see, you get it. People don't understand this shit. Yeah. Sada, I knew what he was about. And yeah. I could tell if a guy's a woman beater or not, because I've been around them before. And, you know, with Joey Ryan, I said, someone wanted, I understand sloppy flirting. I do it all the time with guys half my age. I don't give a fuck though. Um, I have yet to be me too. Then there's a, like Joey Ryan, I mean, I started flirting with him at first, so he hasn't come out against me, but people do flirt sloppily. And the other thing is there are a lot of women out there that are married or have relationships. They fuck around on the husband or boyfriend and they're embarrassed. Oh, he raped me. And that is what we're dealing with. Yes. You know, so we haven't had that happen in XPW, you know, knock wood, nothing like that will ever happen. But you so say, were you afraid of Rob when you... Heard you were going to work for him. Like, what did you expect? Did you expect it to be that? You were there for Slava's birthday too. Yeah, he was. Yeah, it was, what a grand, a grand debut. I, I, I um, wasn't afraid. I wasn't afraid of Rob because uh, Ron, again, Ron Nemi is he is my friend. I, I will say Ron Nemi is probably, although I've known Danny DeMonto longer longer than Ron Nemi. I would say Ron is probably a closer friend in just a little bit of time that I've known him because of the way that he is. And he just kept telling me, you're going to love Rob. You're going to love him. Just wait till you get there. Wait till, wait till you get here. You know, I know you and I know how you operate. I know him. I know you two are going to. So I wasn't, I was, I was excited. I was anxious. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't scared. Um, 
However, once the show started to unfold, I kind of was like, well, it kind of was very reminiscent of the CZW feels that I had the first time where I'm like, okay, what have I gotten myself into here? Like, uh, so I, I could not believe, I could not believe some of the things that I saw. And I think you know what I'm talking about at that first show. And it's been a long time. It's been a long time since I've seen something that I'm like, wait, am I seeing this? Is this for real? So not scared, just kind of like anxious to see what excited, excited, uh, nervous excitement. Yeah, I would be too. I mean, I just, I knew when they were in the back going over that spot. And the first thing I was living in Europe, you know, I, and being European, I said to Hardbody, I said, so you cut or uncut? I got into a fight with a boyfriend once in um in Germany and I kicked him in his por- I kicked him in his dick. I had my heels on. Like when I go out, I have the heels. I ripped his foreskin. So that's the first thing I think to myself. This guy has to have foreskin. So yeah. when he answered that, I'm like, okay. But Joe was so like um he looked so scared in the back. And I said, What's wrong? Oh, it's just a spot I'm thinking about. I don't know if I can do it. Well, what is it? What is it? So <laughs> he just you know, he really, I mean, they were scared. Then we yeah. still got dirty looks at the WrestleCon. Some guy called me whatever. He called me something else um, for like doing Mega Maga. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck the problem is. I think the optics are great. You have like a, yeah, like a, yeah I with the the Trump flag and the, 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 oh, the overalls. And I, I like Who cares? it. Look at the way it looks. <laughs> it looks disturbing is what it looks yeah. like. And just everything with the dick thing that kept coming up. I'm like, why are people giving us dirty looks? And I forgot, oh, the dick incident. Then the, you have the, I forgot about the thumb incident until someone brought it up uh, three years ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was, I that totally was, forgot. <laughs> that was, that was my experience with Rob. And then also, of course, that he went away for a while. I understand Rob <laughs> yeah. got away for a while too. So, so yeah. this is all kind of more of the mystique of that this guy is connected. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like he got, he got someone's thumb cut off. Um, also, um, New Jack, the crimes. Oh, the like, taser. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so <laughs> I'm like, who runs a company like this? You know, a criminal, you know, like I, you know, back, cause that was like, um, like a receipt for, for Vic Grimes, like almost killing New Jack, um, and falling oh, on yeah. his, I mean, I don't, I've heard a lot of New Jack shoots. I've actually never heard of Vic Grimes shoot. But I've heard a lot of New Jack shoots. And, you know, it was like, you know, New Jack was like, I was trying to kill him because he almost killed me. He you almost know? did. He said, if when New Jack says, let's go, we're going, let's go, you go. You don't want to go. Uh, it's scary. You know, I, I knew New Jack very well. And, you know, to know him is to love him. He's, an, he's a very uh, special person in, in some ways. But um, you have to see for you. You just have to know him. But I... The whole thing was just scary. And when we had the scaffold in Jersey, the first thing I'm thinking of is New Jack with that taser. So I just stayed in the back. I kind of like peeped out. I see Atticus and Schlack. I'm like, okay. Yeah. And I know Schlack doesn't have a taser. I, I highly doubt uh, Atticus's either. But yeah. what is, what's your intention now besides, are you just, you're staying with us, right? Like we basically- Oh, absolutely. Oh, I okay, had too good. much fun. We kidnapped you then. Yeah, I had too much fun. <laughs> I had too much fun. I like I like the scenery. I love Cat. I love Sage. I love Lindsay. I love you know what I'm saying. I love being yeah. around you know the ladies. I like what I see. 
And then it's also very familiar terrain for me because I miss announcing Necro. I miss announcing Drake and Masada. I even got Lucky 13, who's a, a real journeyman. Yeah. Lucky gets around everywhere, so it's not like I missed him because he's the one guy that since I've left CZW, I don't care where I go, I'm announcing him year over year, multiple times. So, but still, it's it's good to be back around the guys who were there when I was first on my my first 10 years, my first decade in the game. These are some of the key players who I was roughing it with. I got to see Drake go to WWE. I was there at that mania where he was the rep for Ronda Rousey and Angle versus Triple H and Stephanie. And I lie to you not, Jasmine, when I saw Drake come out as the referee, you would have thought someone had just said, hey, here's a million dollars. I flipped out. People were looking at me like, what's wrong with this guy? And it was because that was my homie. And he was up there. He was up there at Mania and I was there to fucking cheer for him. You know? Um, so I'm so glad to be back. I'm so glad to be back around, you know, my, you know, my fam. I, I, it's so, it's such the context of the words, you know, they're like a family. We are like a family at large, but it's like you kind of move in all these different circles. Again, it goes right back to what I said about the mafia, you know, like about in the, in these, these bosses and like these like little families, these little sets and, I feel like a ring announcer, if they're good enough, should be able to, like, like Bob and Weave. I don't think there should ever be a problem with me showing up on anybody's show. But you wouldn't. You wouldn't. It's a problem. It, well, I don't know. Unless it's Danny's show, or like GCW, of course. And I ran into Brett Lauderdale for the first time. I saw him in person at um, WrestleCon. The guy's so short. I'm like... Then he's standing next to me. I had my heels on, so I'm powering over him. And then I see Masada go after him. I'm like, oh, you're Brad? Okay, I had no idea. I'm like, you're really short because I just, it's the only thing I could think of. I accidentally came out of my mouth. Um, but yeah, uh, I guess, yeah. So that's, uh, yeah, you're just stuck with us. And uh, it, it Rob's like the mafia in that respect. I met him in 1998 or 97. I worked for him. Um, then I quit in 99 and went back to ECW wrestling. And here I am years later, like last year. It's just, um, we started talking again and California was last year. I went to the show and it's wrestling is like a drug. Everyone, when you step in the ring, it's some kind of a drug and you just can't, you know, you just stay there. Then you'll, you, I met, I met Necro for the first time, the last, that first show we weren't working together, but I just knew it was this big guy with big hands and American flag pants on that was talking to me. And I was scared of him. Yeah. You see, you see, <laughs> Like it's the first time it's kind of like, whoa, what is going on here? And, and he stood out the first time that I met him in CZW and just the images and the style of wrestling. It seems so real, you know, like it seems like, you know, very genuine. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I But I'm so happy to be around him again. Um, he was so happy to see me in the back. We hugged and he just went over how I was going to announce him again. And he was like, what's that cool thing that you say when you announce me? What do you call me again? And I was like, the godfather of deathmatch wrestling. He's like, yeah, yeah do that, do that, yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, he is. He you know? really is. It's amazing yeah. to have the honor to work with him. And Drake, I met Drake, I met Drake when he was like 17 or 18. Not, in, I wasn't doing anything inappropriate. I was working for Mid-South oh, Mid, huh? Mid Wrestling. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was working with the Blue Mini on the show and he came up to me and bought a Polaroid. He was underage and I still took his money, I think. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. 
As long as they're tall enough to reach over the table, I'll take their money. Because one yeah. thing, anyone, I'm like, I'm a whore when it comes to my money. Like, I don't like people fucking with my money. You fuck with my money, then I'm coming after you. And you don't want me coming after you. Yeah, <laughs> well, <laughs> there's people I got to come after from LA. I'll tell you that much, you know. What happened? Uh, well, you know, um, everybody was square biz. Everybody oh, yeah, was square yeah, yeah. biz. But there's uh -huh. one promoter. There's one promoter that I'm still kind of hounding. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it just is the biz. It's just the biz, you know, not yeah. everybody can be upfront with it. And I should have I should have known there would be a little chicanery because for that particular show, the promoter wasn't even in town. So when mm -hmm. you're doing a show for a promoter and they don't they aren't even there, he wasn't even there. I should have known, like, oh, I'm not getting paid for this. Well, yeah. let me know. I'll send someone to get collect the money for you. Like, that's not a big deal. Like, I've I've had people collect money from me before. I don't give a shit. So um you guys got to check out Larry because he just he's if you haven't seen an XPW show live yet, you have to do it in order yeah. to be expanding. If you're going to okay. watch on stream XPW, fine, be my guest. But Larry, the legend, like he deserves his own T-shirt at this point because he, he's, he's a legend. You're working with legendary people like Necro and Rob. So that's, mm -hmm. that's amazing. Hell you know, yeah. You fill the void, right? Yeah. And Ron and knew that. That's good. You know? You got yeah. the void filled. And what other creative endeavors are you doing now? Are you still doing any theater or? Well, you know, I feel like now I'm 41 years old. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like um, I should, I should settle. I should settle. There are a lot of, there are a lot of people that want me to creatively do things with them, but I'm only one legend, you know, that I don't have a clone. So as much as I'd like to, be all over the place. I like the way that it feels right now. Just being solidified with XPW, being the XPW guy, um, being synonymous with XPW, just like I was with CZW and just like I was with ICW. And little by little, before you know it, I'll be 40 years in the in here and I'll be able to say, I'll be doing an interview with somebody and I'll be like, and then there was this, and then there was that, and then there was this, and then there was that. But the key is, is that you just keep on going. Keep on going. And right now, I'm very happy. I'm very happy talking to Rob about K California 2, which I am going to be the host of. Yeah. And it's going to last. I can't wait. I'm excited. I'm excited that you're on board with us. And uh, Can you throw out your socials really quick? And I will obviously type them up on here, too. Sure, sure. So um, on Instagram, the e easiest one is Real Larry Legend. Real Larry Legend on Instagram um on twitter it's a little it's a little a little kind of quirky it's b l k l k p okay so that's b l k like blackout the first part of blackout and then l k p because before i was larry legend i was larry kennedy phillips the first announcing name that i went by in mcw that they gave to me was larry kennedy phillips so my Twitter is kind of like a combination of the two things that kind of made me. Blackout, Ruckus, bringing me to CZW, and Larry Kennedy Phillips, when I started as an MCW. So BLK, LKP is my Twitter. Um, on YouTube, I have a channel, Larry Legend. Um, and, and Facebook, Larry Legend. So I was able to get my name on Facebook, Larry Legend, after fighting and showing them a lot of documentation that I was, in fact, a legend. I had to show them, you know, a, a check made out to Larry Legend, a utility bill made out to Larry Legend, a, a, a flight for Larry Legend. I had to show them five points of identification that said that I was legendary. 
And I finally got, I secured the Facebook uh, page, Larry Legend. So find me there. And um, yeah, you know, Twitter, Instagram, I'm very active. I'd love to interact with you. That's excellent. So you heard it here for, you guys heard it here. So join him on Twitter, join him on Instagram. And until next week, I will, uh, we're signing off. Thanks for having me, Jasmine. Are you enjoying the ride on my crazy train? Woo! Please make sure to rate and review Crazy Train Podcast. Take a screenshot, send it to me in a DM via Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, and I will send you a free goodie bag. Oh, and Crazy Train Podcast is now on YouTube. So subscribe, Crazy Train Podcast, that's with a K, on YouTube for video interviews and never heard before interviews and some really cool bonus content. Woo!